You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Tyne Warp. Well, I don't think we should start with Newcastle. Let's address England, the summer of our lives. 2018 was amazing. Didn't think it was going to get topped in 2021, but by hell it did. It's a shame that England didn't bring it home, but we've had an amazing summer. But unfortunately, well, I say that, we've got to go back to Newcastle now. So three weeks to go, pre-season's just kicked off and we've got plenty to cover. I'm your host, Harry Roy, and I'm joined, as always, by my fellow NUFC Vavil office writers, Dan Wright and Alex Wood. So, lads, England, try and sum up uh, the last few weeks. Oh, it's, it's been an incredible month. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable watching a team that you just believe in. It's, it's rare. And not just England as well. The rest of the tournament was fantastic. Some of the football was just ridiculous at a time where... If anything, I feel like a lot of people were sort of falling out of love with football. I think everyone will just be right back in love with the game. And it's a massive shame England didn't go all the way, but they gave us some great moments. And and that's all that really matters. I mean, it would have been lovely to win it, but it wasn't to be. Yeah, I like what Dan said there about it being a really, really good tournament. Like, I think it's my favourite tournament of my life. In terms of like, just the pure football class, yes, obviously England doing really well is brilliant, but like it, it was there were so many good games. Like there was probably only one or two really dull games, and they were on like a Friday afternoon at two p.m. So no one watched them anyway. Like the well, the I comeback day, <laughs> 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 the comeback day where it was both three threes. 
Like, oh, yeah. tell me a better day Amazing. of football, and and I'll actively challenge you on it. There were so many great goals in it as well, like so many amazing moments and my favorite thing of all time is so many own goals there were so many oh it was my brilliant. god Dubravka's own goal oh, I f- god, right yeah. it was the worst thing right because he, it was the penalty wasn't it? he saved Morata's penalty all Newcastle Twitter exploded <laughs> yes Martin what a save and then he just like bats the ball into his own net I was on Twitter yeah. defending him going like oh it, it was the sun's fault he had the sun in his eyes he should have had a cap but oh <laughs> I, well he's, he's injured now isn't he Dubravka he's He's out. Well, we think he's out, and there's, there's a lot to address about Martin Dubravka. Uh, so, Freddie Woodman, uh, the Newcastle United goalkeeper, massive future ahead of him. We all know that. He's been out on loan at Swansea for, for two years. Was in for pre-season training uh, with Newcastle at York, and then he just left the training base, went back down to London. So, everyone was wondering why. It, we all assumed he was leaving, or something was happening. We heard a bid... Uh, Leeds had put a bid in from yesterday, so that sparked a, a whole host of rumours. But we found out today that he'd had a medical at Bournemouth ahead of a, a season-long loan down there, which is a decent move. I would like to have seen him go to the Premier League this year. Maybe Brentford would have been a good move for him. I don't know whether they've got an amazing goalkeeper, but I'm sure Woodman would be probably be their number one. It would all seem to be going through until Martin Dubravka has now injured his foot, and we don't know how long he's going to be out for. So that's stalled this Woodman to Bournemouth deal so I, I want to bring you in on this one what do you think about this because I don't see how the Dubravka injury makes any difference to Freddie Woodman because I don't think Woodman is going to be a number two at Newcastle if he's going to be here he's here to be our number one goalkeeper we had the same problem last year with Dubravka getting injured and we just brought in Darlow became the number one and Mark Gillespie was the number two wasn't he yeah that's that's right it's an interesting one because he does need game time and obviously we like you said, it would be great if he could get in from the Premier League with us or someone else. And I think the only way that was going to happen this season is, is if Swansea had won the the playoff final and he would have gone there either on a permanent or a loan deal. But a loan deal, a club like Bournemouth, be pushing, the, you'd imagine, to come into the Premier League would be a good move for him. Get some more minutes under his belt. So, yeah, it's a strange one. You don't want a young enough goalkeeper as your number two, I feel. And Darlow's done it the role so well the only thing that I can think of is Darlow's sick and tired of being number two he's done been number one and when Dubravka got back he was back to number two so he might not be happy with just being number one for the very start of the season and he might want to pursue a move to either a side in the championship looking to get back up or maybe even a, a club currently in the Premier League I, I personally think he's more than capable of being a Premier League's team's number one goalkeeper Woodman could be the future of this club. Um, keeping twenty clean sheets in the Premier League is something that no Newcastle United goalkeepers ever. Uh, sorry, Championship is no feat that Newca- any Newcastle goalkeeper's done. When we've been in there um, uh, over the two seasons that we were obviously there and came straight back up, he won the Golden Glove with those twenty clean sheets last season for Swansea. They had the second best defence in the league. They they were incredible, um, but. He won't go to a, an up-and-coming Premier, Premier League club. Um, Watford have got their, themselves sorted with a goalkeeper. Um, obviously, Brentford have got David Raya. They don't need anyone there. And Norwich, they've got ex-Newcastle United legend Tim Krull. So they don't need anyone either. So none of them three do. If you're looking at other clubs there, goalkeepers is not one of the like, needs for anyone, really. 
that's around about the Premier League bottom half of the table. Like Brighton are sorted, Palace are sorted, um, us ourselves, we're, we're having this debate about who would be a good one, who would be a bad one. But a lot of the teams that are around about that middling thing are kind of okay for goalkeepers. That's not a, a situation that they're going to be needing. And just to address Dan's point about Carl Dallow maybe getting sick of it, um, it was his fault. He got knocked back down to number two. Brucey didn't immediately give it to Dubravka when he was fit, if everybody remembers. Dallow had his opportunity to prove that he could be this number one of this, this team. And he, he let it slip through his hands. I, d- I think that's a little bit harsh, to be honest. I don't think he did too much wrong. I think it was more to the higher reputation that Martin Dubravka has more than anything. I don't think he was... I don't think he was bad at all. I thought Dala was excellent. I thought he was very, very unfortunate to have been dropped back then. But back to Woodman, and I, I don't think there is a more unfortunate goalkeeper than him at the minute because he's got massive potential. He was an under-17 World Cup winner with England. Like you said, Alex, great couple of seasons at Swansea, golden glove in the championship. He's a Premier League goalkeeper in the making, and he's 24 years old. But Newcastle already have two very good goalkeepers. I mean, Dubravka's, I would say, is arguably one of the best in the league, and Darlow on his day is amazing. So, And he's not going to come and play second fiddle to any of these. So what do you do in this situation? The club have probably got it right in loaning him out again for another season, but is Woodman going to get sick of being loaned out? Because surely his stock's not really rising anywhere, whereas if he was to move elsewhere on a permanent, he'd probably earn more money, and he would build up a better report for getting called up to an England squad further down the line because I don't think he's that far away. If he was number one for Newcastle, I think he would be in the England squad as a third choice, I would say, maybe. But it's 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 a tough one. I think he's really, really unfortunate. I'm, I'm sure you'll echo that as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I agree with what you're saying about... I feel like what you didn't say it in as many words, but what you may be getting at is that maybe a permanent move would be better for him. Yeah. Because he's not necessarily going to walk into our team, and yes, he is young, but twenty-four years old. It's not. It's not old super for a young, is it? It's not old for a goalkeeper, but it's not young at the same time. Like you, I mean, well, Donna Rumor yeah. saved three penalties, but I mean, we can't hold him at that. No, level, no, we're not going to talk about Donna No, no, definitely <laughs> not. Any Italian player? <laughs> nope. Um, so yeah, I, I think could be a good time for him to move on. It could be another one of those Ivan Tony situations where we look in five years' time and he's won 30 England caps and we go, eh, maybe should have we all him. know he's really good. We all yeah. know Woodman's quality. It's just the problem with Newcastle is Dubravka's probably going to be number one for the next at least two years, I would say. Two or three well, years. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Dubravka's stock is quite high. Just to sort of play devil's advocate here, is there a shout of, we move Dubravka on either this season or next and we go yeah. all eggs in uh, Freddie Woodman's basket and go, do you know what? We've brought him through the youth academy. We're going to make him as good as he can possibly get. He's going to be England's number one. He's going to be Newcastle's number one for the next 10 years. And let's not have the same regret because if we sell him on and he's brilliant in three, four years time and we've now got an ageing Martin Dubravka, we're going to regret that. I think you're bang on. You've got to look at the Dean Henderson situation as well. Man United have essentially, with like what they're doing at the minute, it's like De Gea plays one game and Dean Henderson's playing the other. And that all stemmed from an amazing loan in the championship with Sheffield United where he got them promoted. But the difference between Henderson and Woodman is, is he had a Premier League season. I think it would have been better for Woodman if he'd 
had a Premier League loan this season. But mm-hmm. I understand the Newcastle's predicament is that it's not like Man United where they're not competing with a lower-end Premier League side. These are our direct relegation rivals, so why do we want to strengthen them? From a selfish perspective, that is. But I, I get what you're saying, Dan, and I'm kind of intrigued at, at testing the water on that because Dubravka's amazing goalkeeper. He's one of the best on his day, but he's got he's, you know, he's prone to a mistake. We all know that. But we can't say the same about Woodman because I can't say I've seen him more than three times play a full 90 minutes this season. I'd need to have That's a it. more in-depth look at Woodman, ideally yeah. in the Premier League. The last time I saw Woodman play for Newcastle and actually watched the game, uh, might have been... Did he play against Luton in the FA Cup? And I remember him being very shaky, but that's years ago. But he was how old? Forgetting... 20, exactly. Yeah. The amount of games he's got under his belt since, it is a bit of unknown, but if you're that good in the Championship, you, you're goalkeeper. You're not going to fall off a cliff in the Premier League, are you? He's clearly a very capable young keeper. The only way that I see your situation happening, Dan, is if we go back into the Championship. Not going like, to happen. I, I, yeah, which isn't going to happen. Like, uh, I wouldn't be so weird. sure. No, I, no exactly. We, we can. We, that's a debate for a later on period. But exactly. I, I don't think that we would keep Martin Dubravka if we went to the Championship. He would move on. Yeah, we would go, right, thank you for everything that you've done. And then it would be a turn to, right, well, we've got this fantastic young keeper that's kept 20 clean sheets in this league. Let's, let's use him. He knows this league. He is the best keeper in this league. Let's use him. And then, obviously, when he performs well, and if he does, touch wood, then, obviously, he goes into that. That's the only path I can see of that. I don't see a pragmatic sale idea at Newcastle United at this moment, and I'm sure we'll get onto um, the sale of Newcastle United at this moment uh, at a later yeah. period point in time. I just hope the club don't balls this up, because I certainly think that Woodman, at, at 24 has a minimum of eight years as Newcastle's number one. We all know he's yeah. top draw, but it's such, but you can such see. a difficult situation. We're in such a difficult situation because it's not like you can turn around and go, oh, yeah, Darlow and Dubravka aren't really that good, so let's get Woodman. It's like they're both, yeah. like, they're both quality. It's just, you can like, also see I wish we had this in other would. positions. I wish we had this in other <laughs> positions. Definitely in midfield, and that is what we're going to move on to next. Newcastle have, made, have signed no one. We've heard of... Little little rumours now and then of, of players. And one player that we know, Newcastle United, is their number one target, is Joel Willock. Was back training with Arsenal. I saw a photo of him on Twitter yesterday and I was gutted seeing him in them <laughs> Arsenal colours come home. But we think he might be. Mikel Arteta uh, said in his press conference after a game, a friendly game against Hibs yesterday, where Willock wasn't even named uh, in the squad yesterday. Turned around and said he's our player and that sort of thing. We've got plans for him. Kind of indicating that he was going to be there next season, but we've we've heard otherwise today. A lot of the local reporters appear saying that Newcastle increasingly confident of bringing Willock back on a season-long loan, which I don't think many Newcastle fans can be disappointed about. Yes, we all would have liked to have seen the money spent, but I'm going to play the devil's advocate here and say, look, with Kennedy, we all wanted to give Chelsea thirty million for him, and he didn't turn out that great the second season. So I don't think a loan's too bad. Getting him back, I just think it's important, especially. The club at the minute, so much uncertainty about the future ownership. Ashley's probably not going to spend any money this summer. If he does, it'll be it'll be minimal amounts. It'll be under five or six million quid. But get Willock back for another season, and it should almost secure our survival before heading to the new campaign. As, as bullshit that sounds, but he's just that good. <laughs> he is that good. 
I think the Kennedy point is a good point, and I also agree that the loan move it does make more sense at this point in the uncertain time because the budget is unlikely to be massive. I mean, it's unlikely to be very big at all. The only way we have any sort of budget is a takeover miraculously comes through and even before then, season it's starts. Be, it's going to be September. Even then, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so if we spend the full budget, or even more than what the budget is, on getting Joe Willock, we're spending all that money on staying the same. If we can get him for on loan and then maybe spend a little bit here and there, we can hopefully actually improve the squad, which is what we should be trying to do every year. So I think the loan deal makes a lot of sense personally, and it's one that a few fans will probably moan because we're not spending the money or it's that's unambitious. But for me, it is unambitious, oh, but that's that's where we are at the minute. And I think it, it makes a lot of sense. And if we can get the deal done, I think... I, I don't know what Arsenal are playing at letting us have him for another season, to be honest with you, because you either sell him now or try and develop him yourself. I, I don't understand why they'd loan us to him, but if they are, then that's fantastic. Another thing you've got to put into consideration with Willock as well is his contract expires in 2023. So if he doesn't sign a new deal at Arsenal before he's allowed to go back out and loan to us, he's going to have a year on his contract heading into his final season. That could mean a cut price for us. Because you know, mm. Arsenal can't demand north of £25 million for a player that's got a year left on his deal. The chances are it's going to be around the £15 to £20 million pound mark, which is very much in Newcastle's budget, I imagine. I think Arsenal will play hardball with them, though. Alex, what do you think? Because I don't think this deal to bring Willock is as plain sailing as... Everyone seems to think. No, there's been more reports of add-ons actually thrown in with the loan deal that Newcastle will have to pay a fee if he plays so many games. There's been other reports that there's a set fee for the end of the loan that Newcastle can uh, execute and buy. So Arsenal are essentially saying, well, right, okay, here's four million for the loan fee, and then here's twenty-nine million for the end the end of the loan. Um, and when you actually have a load of money because you either have new owners or you don't, and it's your choice to, to do it. And if you don't get the takeover secure, then you can just have him on loan. Um, so I, I think that's the more realistic one is that there'll be a fee at the end of it with the option to buy him um, there. But obviously, Joe Willock in your Newcastle United shirt for the 2021-22 season is a victory, whatever way you look at it. Yeah, Alex, I, I fully agree with you there. I just think getting him in, I don't think it was realistic to get him on a permanent because his stock is huge at the minute and he's English, he's 21 years old, proven player in this division. Arsenal, in the position they're in, they're going to demand £30 million plus for him and it's just not the sort of money Newcastle United mm. often spend. I don't understand why his stock isn't actually higher than what it is, though. I mean, yeah, I agree. Like, why is there any talk of Newcastle having any chance of signing a player that scored in seven consecutive Premier League games? I'm not complaining, yeah, we, but I just find it ridiculous. We just had a year was with a load of talented young players performing really highly. That's good news for us, though. That I is think. a great point, yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's great news, but I mean, I think people are kind of like, I'm surprised the, the teams in the Premier League who are just above us in the pecking order, well, quite a bit above us in the pecking order, actually, sadly. The likes of Everton, Villa, West Ham, surprised they aren't looking at it thinking, if they're not going to spend £20 million on them, we've we, got that yeah. money to throw around, let's, let's do it. Well, especially I'd Villa, because they're spending a fortune at the moment. Right, right, but this is the thing, so Villa have got their own Joe Willock in, essentially. They bought Buendia from Norwich. Yeah. Mm. 
They've got Jack Grealish, they've got Douglas Louise, they've got Ross Barkley in that team. Yes, Joe Willock would improve them, but they've just spent £40 million on Buendia. They, uh, do they have that other other amount of money to, to do that? West Ham are chasing their own version of Joe Willock in Jesse Lingard to try and get him on, on that deal. And Everton, what, Everton's midfield, do they need another midfielder? They have more midfielders than they do have had managers over the past 20 years. They've got so many players in that position. Like... If you put Joe Willock in an Everton team, everyone would look and go, well, he's exactly the same as James Rodriguez. He's exactly the same as Tom Davis. He's exactly the same as Guilfrey Sigurdsson. He's the same player, just younger. And it, it wouldn't really make sense. We are one of the only teams that were a desperate need in his position, I would say, in that like world of things. Obviously Palace, but Palace need a, a player anyway because they lost about 14 players to free transfers. Well, with Unfortunately, Willock, not Benteke. No, Christian Benteke. <laughs> that podcast never ever got released. Oh yeah, but I'm I forgot about that. <laughs> the lost episode. The lost episode. Such a good episode, honestly. The Christian Benteke episode. It was, it was literally it was thirty minutes of just me and Dan just talking about how great Christian Benteke is and Alex saying how rubbish he was. But I'm sure he's gonna he's gonna score a hat trick at St James of the season, and Alex is gonna have to sit on here and go, "Yep, yeah, Benteke played really really well today." <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that podcast. Like Willick, like the the thing about why it works so well is because he's he's got a tailor made role. I don't think you'd get that at any other club, and especially at Arsenal. And I think if Arsenal got European football, they would have kept him, and they would have just said, "You're not leaving," because you know they've got Champions League games or Europa League games, and they've got cup games. You can go. Yes, you're not going to be a part of the squad for Premier League games. You'll cam your appearances off the bench every, you know, here, every here now and then. But with European football, you can nail yourself to essentially 10 games. They don't have that this year. They've got the same amount of fixtures as us. So why, could, why is Willick going to sit around on the bench when it can come up here and be a hero? It just makes sense for all parties that this deal goes through. And I'm, I'm, I am, I'm pretty confident it will. I'm, I'm 80% sure Willock will be back here next season, but it's not the only player that, that Newcastle need to bring in. I think there's a whole host of, of signings they need to make. They need a centre-half, they need a left-back, they still need another centre midfielder, I think. There's a lot of work that needs to be done, and we've, we've got about three weeks till the first game of the season, so they really need to get the rat together, because we're back for pre-season now, and Steve Bruce, funnily enough, said, didn't he, in, a, in an interview this week, and he said, it's the perfect time to wear uh, Get new new players in and get them bedded into the side. Well, Steve, we have no new signings, so I don't know how that's going to work out. Alex, you, you talked. We were talking about this before the podcast started. It was uh, Conor Gallagher of Chelsea. He's been a player that that's been linked alongside Willock uh, coming in this summer. I thought he was very very good at West Brom last year on loan. Energetic, quick, the sort of, very similar to Willock. What do you think about that one? Because I, I certainly see that as as being a good signing. Yeah, it would it it would be incredible, um, because it would mean that there is somebody in the centre of midfield at Newcastle United that's different. Conor Gallagher can actually pass a football. Like there, there's only three players in the entirety of the Newcastle United squad that had a higher pass accuracy than him. The entire team had a seventy six percent one, um, and. Miguel Almiron had an 82, Sean Longstaff had an 82, and Alan St. Maximan had 83%. Callum Gallagher himself, the entire time he played um, last season, he had 82% as well. So I know that there's stats and they can be a little bit confusing, and obviously some will be padded, some won't be padded, but 
he is a tidy little player in that centre midfield with that Chelsea pedigree of knowing where he is meant to be at all times and knowing where every player is on the pitch and having every single club in his bag, so to say. Yeah, I, I agree. It would be a it would be a very welcome signing. Was was the report a loan deal? I'm guessing for this one. Yeah, another yeah. another one that was going to be a loan deal, and potentially again, depending on where Chelsea Chelsea are or how well he does. Yeah, um, he's he's a very good footballer. He's very capable. He sort of grew into the the uh, starting Premier League midfielder. I felt as the season went by, he was certainly a bright spark in that West Bromwich Albion team. I think the central midfield area of Newcastle is an interesting one because in terms of numbers we have a lot but I, th- I think it's an area where we need a complete overhaul because there's just not enough creativity there's not enough energy he would bring some of that I think John shelvey has been doing my head in for a while now he, he just doesn't show enough and I think it's time now that we need to decide what we're going to do with the Longstaff brothers we can't keep them as bit pot players you've either got to play them loan them out or sell them but that whole midfield area needs a complete overhaul. Yeah, Shelby's a Shelby's an interesting one, and definitely the long staff. I think they both need loaning out. They should have went out on loan last season, in particular Matty mm-hmm. Longstaff. I, I get the argument definitely. with Sean, but they're just wasting their careers being here. Unfortunately, get them out in the championship. Let's see what they can do. They're both good players. No, I think they thrive. They're comfortable, I really they're do. comfortable championship quality players. It's not like they're just a spare part because they're local lads and they play for Newcastle. They're, they're good players. We've, we've seen what Sean Longstaff can do, especially, you mm. know, you go back three or four years ago and everyone was saying he was better than Declan Rice and he's worth 50 million quid. So, there's just, I just think there's a lot of work that the club needs to do this summer and they've not got a lot of time because if Willett comes in, we're pretty much at the same as what we were last season. Yeah. We've got some money off the wage bill as well. Like Savatu and Saivet have left the club. Carol, we still haven't got a retained Is list. Is Carol gone? We haven't got a retained list yet, so we don't know. I don't see any pictures Carol... of him at training. No, I don't think there's any pictures of Carol, so at the minute we assume he's he's been released, which makes a lot of sense considering he's not really done a lot in the two Especially years. as Muto's back. Oh, yeah, Muto's back as well, who's <laughs> about 60 grand a week. <laughs> That's you get rid of Saivet and then you just have Muto back on 60 grand a week. Yeah. But he couldn't even get a game for whatever team he was out in. Like Eyebar, wasn't it? Eyebar, yeah. It was, I can't yeah. imagine they were picking up much of his 50-odd grand a week either, Probably We were probably paying all of it, because their yeah, like stadium, so. like their town is like the same size as their stadium. It's like 5,000 people. 5,000, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to move on to another thing, and what could impact our transfer window greatly is uh, the thought of a takeover. Yes, it's still going on if you want a Newcastle fan. It's been going on for the 16 months now, a lot longer than that, maybe. Amanda Staveley, the, uh, who was, would essentially lead the consortium, um, woman who's been trying to buy the club for a number of years, so much time for her. I'd, there was not somebody I would want to own the club more than her. She's been very, very vocal in the last week. She's appeared on Sky Sports. She's appeared on ITV. She's done a lot of press in the last few weeks, and it's all about gaining transparency from the government regarding the arbitration case that is should be starting this month. Harry from the future here just chiming in like I did on the last episode. Basically, we did record this podcast last week. A lot's happened, so this was recorded before we found out that the arbitration date has, has been pushed back to early 2022, so this next bit might not be as relevant as it once was before. About the takeover, which will essentially is the gateway to the future of this football club if we're successful. 
uh, the the takeover should happen if it if we, have, if we fail we're back to square one i'm sure it'll not be the end but it's going to be a lot more difficult so boys what do you think about her coming out in public because everything's been very hush we've not heard from Stavely prior to last week since it fell through in november time was it yeah so what do we make of that is it, is it a is it a red flag sort of thing or do we see it more as just trying to put as much pressure on the premier league as possible heading into heading into this arbitration First and foremost, I completely agree with your opinion on Amanda Stavely. I think she's she comes across so impressive, and yep. there's, you you want someone like that in charge of your club, and you feel like you'd be in safe hands regardless of the stupid amount of wealth that are behind this deal. But for me, the, my first reaction was this could be a massive, massive red flag in the takeover going through because I remember her giving an interview to Bloomberg where she said. Look, you can ask me about Newcastle United. I'm not going to say anything because of NDAs, whatever. All of a sudden, seems to be at whatever point, that hasn't really mattered anymore, and she's been getting a name out left, right, and centre, which has been it's been great for us to hear from her side of what's going on. But does it mean is it a sort of a last desperate roll of the dice? That was my personal first reaction. It it is really nice to see somebody represent Newcastle and try and speak for us in terms of this transparency when there are leaders at the top of our club at the moment that could be doing this and earning good favour with the fans and trying to do that. I also see it as a completely great tactic as well to try and do that. Earn favour with the fans and say, look, you all want this. I want this too. We're on the same side here. We're against the big bad wolf that's the Premier League. Yeah, transparency. Yeah, doing all this, that, the other. But then... Also, we've we've seen it as Newcastle fans, where somebody appears to be really top class, top draw, and then they get in and they're terrible. They're awful. We should never have done this. So, uh, yeah, the takeover obviously now needs to happen because hashtag cans and um, a celebratory tweet's been in my drafts too long. Um, but like the Amanda Stovely, um stuff is really nice to see. It is really nice to see. Yeah, I, I, I get what both of you are saying about Staves. I think he's a, he's a both right in your own way. I wouldn't take it as a red flag, personally. I just think they're trying to score as much pressure on the Premier League as possible and put them in a situation where they have to fold, essentially, before before we get to arbitration. I imagine there's a lot of stuff that they want aired out in public. That's why there's the big transparency play. I get it. I don't think that they're tr- I don't think there's anything desperate about it. And the chances are she's probably been told by Mike Ashley to make a nuisance of herself in the, in the press, which she can do. She's gone to Sky, she's gone to ITV. And I think the rest of the country and the rest of football fans are starting to wake up and realise here yeah, what's going on with Newcastle. And I think we're starting to get a lot of sympathy from other fans uh, about mm. this takeover because I just think that we're being robbed of an opportunity of a lifetime here. Like Mike Ashley put it, we've won the lottery and not been paid out essentially it's it's such an amazing opportunity not just for the club but for the city as well there's gonna be a lot of money put in and she's great she's fantastic she loves the club she's wanted it for years her husband comes across great as well they communicate on twitter which is can be one bad thing or another we can cross that bridge when we come to it but the bottom line is amanda stavely pif and the rubens as part of newcastle united football club we have a bright future on our hands and a future where we can start dreaming about the return to the Champions League and fighting for league titles, as crazy as it may sound, 
this is all a possibility with this consortium. And what are the Premier League trying to hide from Newcastle United and their supporters? Because surely, was it 97% of fans want this deal to go through? Yeah. I don't I don't see what the what the harm is in, in letting this deal go through, but yeah. there's a lot of legal stuff to go through. There'll be a lot of stuff we don't know about. So we, we've just we've just got to wait and wait and see. Any it's such an question? interesting point because why we've got one party that's so desperate for everyone to know what's going on, and one party desperate for no one to know what's yeah. going on. It doesn't take a genius to work out who's got stuff to hide. You you, you can put it across in that way because the, the Premier League have been no comment since They're useless, since, absolutely useless. Since February, they've been no comment. So it's hard to say. They might have an amazing case, but if the Premier League's case was that clear and concrete. Our legal team would have turned around and went, "Look, there's no point in going to court here. You only go to court. Also, you only go to arbitration yeah. if you've got a case. If if yeah, the Premier yeah, League's yeah. findings were so damning, then Nick DeMarco and Co would probably turn around and go, "Look, Mike, you're wasting your time spending money here. You, you're going to yeah. lose. So I think 100%. we have a case. We have a case. We've got two stuff going on. We've got the arbitration case, which is to prove the, the separation argument between PIF and the Saudi state, and then we've got an anti-competition case, which is going through as well, which is about how." The Premier League have conducted their owners and directors test. I think I'm correct there. Yes, that's right. It's all it's all very complicated, isn't it? We've all become legal experts yeah. here as Newcastle United fans. <laughs> it's not just sitting down on a Saturday and watching the team. There's just so much going on, and we're really looking forward to bringing out a load of content before the season starts. We've got so much in the pipeline. We've got a lot coming out. We've got plenty more of these podcasts. So it's never a dull day on Tyneside. I'm sure it won't be. Lads, any any final comments? Is there anything we've we've not addressed? I think we've I think we've pretty much we've got everything under. I I just wanted your opinion in this. Um, and this is just one final one. Then I'm probably making another one. Um, as is the normality of this podcast. Um, what Amanda Stavely is doing right this second with with the appearances as we've discussed on ITV, Sky Sports, the engagement on Twitter. Do you guys think it would have had a, as much reaction if Mike Ashley had done it? Um, it would have had more. It would have had more reaction. I'm not. It, a lot of it would have been what a hypocrite, you know, because yeah. it would be hypocritical. Let's be honest. Um, but I think uh, Harry mentioned something before about Ashley, like sort of maybe pulling the strings, saying, "Oh yeah, go on, give your interviews." Maybe there's some truth in that because if Mike, if it's Mike Ashley and Newcastle United against the Premier League, Mike Ashley probably can't do that. So. Yeah. Because she I said, don't want it. I don't want it to be Mike. I should be honest. I don't yeah, want to listen to word that man has to say. She said on Sky, didn't she? She said she's not part of the arbitration process. Yeah, it's it's, it's NUFC, which at the minute is Mike Ashley against the Premier League. So really, it's got nothing to do with her. But Dan, you mentioned was it before the podcast or uh, she'd done a done an interview with Bloomberg, didn't she? She said she couldn't comment on anything. Yeah. So what's what's been the what's been the difference there? For me, uh, it would be that Ashley said, "Look, get yourself, make yourself a nuisance in the press for a few weeks." Yeah, maybe. I mean, is, is, is the takeover, would it be classed as ongoing at the minute? I guess it wouldn't because it's all dependent arbitration. So I guess she's free in that sense. That's It's stalled, doesn't that's it? That's what I'm at thinking. The minute. It's, yeah. it's been stalled since well, since last April when they went for the test. Yeah. It, but she's, even, even then she turned around on Sky and said, we were told that this deal is like formality. It's going to take two or three weeks. And she says she's been involved in takeovers before. She knows the process. And then all of a sudden all these red flags start to appear. Now, the Premier League surely would have turned around and said, look, Amanda, you're wasting your time even entering for the owners and directors test, paying Ashley the £17 million deposit, if there was massive issues, surely. 
why would everyone waste the time going to court and doing all this stuff if if there was problems at the very very start there's so much to so much to answer for and there's a lot that people have forgot about as well that's happened over the last year because it's it's been a long time it's been draining and like you said before alex i'm so happy that we've had the euros because it is just the perfect distraction away from all this stuff mm. yeah 100 yeah, and speaking of euros uh graham jones legendary man graham. yeah we love you. Whoa, Graham, like, those England videos at the end with shooting drills and fun and all, all you hear is his little Geordie voice in the background <laughs> bigging up Jack Grealish or giving instructions to Harry Kane. It's It was really nice to see, and it really did make everybody summer, didn't it? As a Newcastle fan, anyway, <laughs> to see, like, our manager... Being, being involved in <laughs> <laughs> involved in it, the England setup, and obviously Southgate loves him as well. So yeah, Graham Jones, you're welcome back to to York of all places for pre-season. York for pre-season boys in the minibus that they all turned up in. Yeah. Everyone was naively see, see the minibuses. Yeah, the players arrived on. Yeah, everyone was kicking Quality. off, but apparently it's because of the rule of six. <sighs> People love COVID. kicking off, man. It's, 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 well, it's does not it matter a big deal. how they get the train? Yeah, like, as long as oh. they don't see the paddling pool come out again and the yeah. the ice bucket in the bin, I'm I'm all for it to be honest. Yeah, oh, naively I thought we'd make it through an episode without mentioning Graham Jones, but yeah. He's what done a man. great job. He, I mean, sorry, Dan. He's done so sorry. Uh, no, done I love the us. man. Love the man. He's done wonders for us this season. It's great to see him get some recognition on the on the international stage as well. And happy we're going to have him back because I was a bit worried that England might have just poached him full time. But <laughs> he seems to be doing both jobs. So I think that's I think that's everything covered, isn't it? It's been it's been a good episode. Good to be back on yeah. here. Uh, and hopefully by the time I get this out, uh, nothing catastrophic's happened because usually it does. So if you don't hear anything from me in between this podcast. Nothing huge has happened. So thank you, Dan and Alex, for, for coming on as usual. Always good to have you on. But this has been Time Warp, brought to you by Vavil UK. Make sure you do check out our website for our comprehensive coverage of Newcastle United, the Premier League, and, of course, the EFL from us three lads. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.